welcome back to the Absolute Love Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Russell. This is episode seven, part two, the second segment of storytelling with birth mother, Nicole. If you haven't heard her first episode, head back and check that out. Otherwise, we are jumping in where we left off. Let's do it. Anytime I bring up the option of adoption to somebody, that phrase is like the hallmark of it, you know? Well, I could never give my child away. And as an as a provider, as a social worker, I can say what I can say about this is in no way giving away a child. You are not taking your child to a random place and dumping them. That is not what this is at all. This is extremely intentional. It's thoughtful, it's planned, it's painstaking. It is everything but giving a baby away. But for some reason, that narrative is what dominates adoption. I always thought of it as, I don't, I can't say that I loved the baby until I actually saw it and what it brought to the world, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, Like when it was in me, I didn't love it. I are you kidding me? I had to pee like six times a night. Uh, my heartburn made my nipples hurt. Like it was it's not fun. Pregnancy. Sort it of wasn't, it wasn't like this, like, oh, but maybe because like, I didn't have like a man to cuddle up with. No, no, no. no it's it was like, pregnancy. it's awful. Yeah. It's like women. Let's be honest. It was, all, it's awful. Yes. And if it's not for you, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and my pregnancy was generally, fairly easy like all I had was heartburn but and it's you know, awful like, and it's yeah, long but I mean like yeah yeah and like my my delivery took eight hours so like things to complain about really but it was still <laughs> awful but it's still um, awful <laughs> so the thought of giving away no if you're giving it away I feel like people take giving it away and throwing it away too closely yeah Perhaps is where the the pain in that phrase comes from, um, because people don't give away something that they cherish, typically. Yeah, um, it's not something that you just hand, hand just hand off. Um, so, you give away something that you you're throwing away. Yeah. Well, so as you're talking, I'm thinking about how many times in my family, and of course not to equate children or people to anything else, any items, but in exploring the language, you know, we, we often, yeah, we do think that if you're giving something away, it's because you don't need it. You don't want broken. It's worn out. It's whatever. And it's often like, um, kind of who cares who gets it, right? Like you give away an old TV, you put it on your curb and whoever gets it, gets it. But that other version of giving away is that passing down of tradition, of family heirlooms, of really treasured things that if they were lost or broken, bring up a really big sadness. And and again, not I obviously children are different, but I think the the language around that we don't equate that, that we do still sometimes give away things that hold great value to us and that it's sad to see go or um, break. But like for me, um, you know, here, an example is my mom had a a little, um, like a little desk that she got. And there's a beautiful story about how she got it as a young girl. So it was very sentimental to her. 
I always wanted this desk. It was in our basement my whole life. I, I loved this thing. And my mom was very protective of it because it was so important to her. Her first grandchild now has that desk in his room. So she gave away that desk to her first grandchild. And to me, that the honor of having that in our home is so huge for me. And I think in our culture, we also lose sight of a little of that because we are so disposable with what we use. But I'm very sentimental about those types of things. And for me, that phrase giving away applies to that item, but there is still so much there that right. the phrase sort of feels misplaced to use. And I think right. sort of talking that same thing about adoption, that that giving away and throwing away have become synonymous and they're not. Exactly. Exactly. Especially in today's single use economy. Yeah. Uh, single use lifestyle. So I think that maybe is why that kind of stings and burns a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but how do you like combat that or so to speak? Mm -hmm. Oh goodness. Isn't that a really great question yeah. for someone way smarter than me? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess all that I can do is share the joy that I now have in seeing the gift that I gave. Mm -hmm. Sure. I gave someone this gift. Sure did. But if that means I gave like, away my baby. Yeah. Then so freaking be it. You know, like I get, that's my, that's my, like, that's my yeah. opinion. You know, that's my opinion of your opinion. Um, but how do we have, yes, you're giving this gift, this joyous being, you know, I always wanted to be a kidney donor. Uh, my mom's a kidney donor. I know people that are looking. I know people that have struggled and received, etc. Uh, I've been on a list with people. I was on the organ donation list when I found out I was pregnant. So didn't donate a kidney. I figured I'd donate a whole bundle of organs, <laughs> all wrapped up in one cute old package, you know? And so people are like, how can you look at it that way? That's so barbaric. I'm like, well, it's not. It's very it scientific. Yeah. Yes, it's very scientific. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of part of the nature of who I am um, is to, you know, reuse, reduce, recycle. And here you go. I, I can't give away my kidney right now, but have a liver and the lungs and the heart. And hopefully <laughs> she'll be cute. It'll be cute. I was like, please, Lord, don't let me give away an ugly baby. Please, <laughs> please. Um, and thank goodness that didn't happen. But um, I, think, <laughs> I think it's because people can't laugh about it. People can't mm -hmm. joke. They can't, well, you know, no one can joke about anything, but um, people can't or don't always see the joy from the other side. Yeah. You see the joy in the adoptive families and sharing pictures with their wonderful new baby and look at him growing up and we are this great, wonderful family. And then this birth mom is somewhere in the shadows. Like, oh, where is she? Is she addicted yeah. to crack or meth? Like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, she wasn't addicted. Or was she, you know, like, who is she? Oh. I, you know, like you don't, I don't have to know their, their people, but let's get some birth moms in the spotlight. Let's share our joy. Um, and sometimes I think 
it's hard for a birth mom to share how joyful she truly is in the experience because everyone else is telling her, how could you give away your baby? Yeah. Yeah. So silences you. How can I be like, I did this really freaking awesome thing, you know? And yes, it included me birthing a child and not taking care of it for the rest of my life, but letting someone else do it because that's what they really want. And, and like you wanted for that pregnancy. Right. So why, like, yeah. Right. yeah. So I think that's part of the like the stigma is like we yeah. have it, it's it's scary for us to share our joy as a as a birth mom, me as a birth mom, because I feel like I will be judged more for being happy about giving a baby for adoption than people would be or, or like that I would be of just being, Oh no, it's, it's quiet and she's fine. And I went to a farm, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah, I feel so, like I'm being judged more for being happy about it. Yeah, no, I hear that. And I think for me, that feels like you make a choice that is sometimes feeling like it's socially unacceptable. You know, we've, I've talked about this before. It's just this idea of, um, like that, a baby being that what we're here to do as a woman. And if we're not doing that, we're not good. So you take that idea and then you have somebody who becomes pregnant and then makes a choice that doesn't include parenting. And for us to see that as for us as in society, to see that as a viable option and to give you that freedom to do that and then to live happily it's like we want to punish you for doing that. We also want to punish women who choose abortion. So it's like, where do women... We can't win. No, we can't. We can't. <laughs> we can't. And then, God forbid, you have a baby, give it up for adoption, your life changes, you get married, meet someone, and choose to become a parent... Oh my, the wrath of the Lord strike you down or not the Lord, but society, mm-hmm. you know, like how about I, I brought joy to another person's life because that was not my life. And now I have seen the joy that a child can bring and found this partner to like, that's so wonderful. Good for you. Yeah. You should be able to scream that from the rooftops. Yeah. And same idea with if you placed your daughter and then let's say the next year you were in a relationship or you became pregnant or for whatever reason, you had a baby that you parented. It's that then it's like, well, why couldn't you have done that with the first one? And why, how dare you? And, you know, this, this, that conversation instead of becoming that perhaps that first pregnancy change the course of your life and right. got you to a place where that was the life you wanted, you know? Round, yes. Like, gosh, forbid, <laughs> we don't do what society says we do in the order in which society says we do it, you know? Uh, and so I, a long time ago, I'm like the queen of society, societally questionable decisions or whatever you said. Um, <laughs> that's my middle name. Um, Oh, hi, Rebel. Um, And so, you know, like, eventually you make enough of those decisions, you get a tough skin and you don't really kind of delve into the why do you feel this way or why is that or how is it for other people? It's easy to kind of just become self-focused when you're saying screw everyone else. Um, But you know, then you stop and think about it. Like, you know, how I said, I haven't talked about it with my friend who went through the same thing as me at the same time as me. Uh, We haven't even had coffee or tea. 
you know, like what's up with that? And so you have to kind of self question, like, is that me? Is it my fear of the conversation? Is it my fear of that? She's having a very different experience of me as me. And then I'll feel even worse, mm-hmm. you know, for having such joy in my life because of it. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. like a whole, there's a whole lot. It's like, you should see a psychologist or something. <laughs> when you have had traumatic experiences in your life and you've learned your ways of handling them and dealing with them, be them the right ways or the wrong ways, um, sometimes just sharing like how or what you thought in the process, even if it was the right thing to think or the wrong thing to think, people need to know. My mom has always said, always a bad example is still an example and so maybe i didn't navigate this the right way maybe i'm just like one in a million lucky got like found this and i made all the wrong decisions people should know that too you know like this is being a breaking down that wall of sharing the good and the bad. I, you know, I could have come on here and been like, Oh, it was all rainbows and butterflies and it's great. And they're perfect. And and, and, you know, Oh, that's not, that's not the reality of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not going to help anybody because that's what you see in the media or that's what you see in the shiny little pamphlet you get in the mail. If you choose, you know, like, so Mm -hmm. yeah, good for you for this. Thanks for your work. So I actually, I've had some experience with some of those large agencies in our country. This is in no way a blanket statement. Many of those agencies do awesome things, especially with like advocacy awareness. But a lot of the ability to do that is because they operate on this big business model. Um, They're charging really high fees. Um, They bring in a big marketing budget, which then goes to, um, you know, big expenses, uh, bigger pamphlets that come in the mail with those butterflies flying out of it. Um, But that like, I don't know, like recruitment effort from big agencies who operate outside of just their own states and are working with girls across the country. And that just kind of starts to feel like- Dying my baby, yeah. Yeah, instead of- That's when it it felt dirty and yucky is when it felt like you're- you're just one of these rich people down there charging these families $60,000 to buy a baby. I'm not into it. I am not into it. And it turned my whole entire opinion of adoption agencies sour from the get go. And that is so, that's like what I'm up against because, you know, our model is so much more ground level, you know, that service is what you're paying for and not what a lot of agencies do is it's marketing. They're charging $15,000 of your fees are marketing. And that's why they can send you those massive pamphlets. And as I'm like an environmentalist, I was freaking out. I was like, what the, it's coming in this big bubble mailer. It's like a book. It's like, I think it had like, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like what the heck? Yeah, it's like I know, and it's hard for me because that, like, that is some of the stuff that I want to share. I want that to be out there in the world. That that's the difference in choosing 
an agency uh, that like old business model versus a lot of these newer agencies like mine that have to use that name agency, but aren't operating the same way that we've, many of us have worked for and been like, Ugh, this right. is not, <laughs> I don't want to do that. But there's still such a need. Like I would love for, in your experience, for you to have been able to find a adoption professional that could help you work through the steps that could offer you the conversation, the peer group, the connection, the right. So this conversation led Nicole and I to a really interesting topic within the adoption community that honestly I haven't seen a whole lot of content on how to understand it or how to navigate it. So for Nicole, what she realized when entering into this adoption relationship is the idea that the lack of social work support and peer group connection contributed to her feeling uneasy when some complex feelings arose post-placement. As a birth mother, Nicole gave a family the gift of a child, making them parents, and something they could not have done without Nicole. The social rules here, though, are very poorly defined, and by that I mean that everywhere else in our culture, in social settings, when somebody provides a great gift to someone else, the expectation is that that favor would be returned. Whether that's a financial repayment, an emotional availability, a deepening of a friendship, and a lot of relationships end poorly when that reciprocation of favor isn't done. But the language around adoption being a gift, this becomes a favor. It's something you're doing for another couple who cannot do it for themselves. But there's no guidance on how a birth mother should process that feeling of, I did this incredible thing for you. I gave you this enormous gift. And what do I get in return? In our community, in the adoption community, we often expect that a birth mother should be fulfilled by that idea alone that her child has what we call a better life. However, adoption isn't always chosen for a child because the life that they will receive within an adoptive family is better. For Nicole, she embraces that idea that she chose adoption for her daughter because she didn't want to be a mom, not because she couldn't be a mom. So for Nicole, how does she process those complex feelings of, I entered into this relationship with a couple that came to be because I gave them this tremendous gift of my child. The expectation of return of favor exists. However, within this unique adoption relationship, what does she get? Some moms do get financially rewarded of sorts for placing a child. However, if you compare that to the reward of, let's say, surrogacy, it pales in comparison. And legally, there are strict guidelines, particularly in Pennsylvania, on what a birth mom can receive financially. In PA, it's very minimal. In many states, there is a cap of just a few thousand dollars. So there really is no financial exchange that's substantial. And there isn't spiritual or emotional fulfillment of your child having a better life if in fact you aren't choosing adoption for that reason and you're choosing it because you just don't wanna be a mom. It's a unique, complex social relationship and there aren't any rules. So for a birth mom questioning, Am I owed something? If so, what? 
if I am owed something, when does this repayment plan of sorts end? And then that guilt of, am I wrong for having these feelings? Am I wrong for feeling like I am owed some kind of return of favor? And then when you, as a birth mom, don't have that community of other birth moms to talk through that super normal vocalization of debt of favor, it creates this super sensitive relationship between a birth mom and an adoptive family. And each party is working through that idea of, is return of favor expected? What does that look like and when does it end? In reality, we just don't really know what's acceptable here universally. So Nicole and I talked a lot. The guess is that there's a lot of shame in the community around having these feelings of being owed something, but we need to talk about it. It's a very real experience in the adoption triad. And until we talk about it, there is just no support and there's no exploration of what should the expectation be here? What can I do to improve the sensitivity of this expectation? So here's Nicole and I's conversation on, uh, on this topic. That's another topic is feeling like you don't owe me anything. I know. You know, like. I know. And so, but that's something that you have to deal with because that's not on them. That's, that uh-huh. is not on them. That is, they, they owe me nothing. They, you know, like legally speaking, they shouldn't even give me anything. I don't think, you know, like, and so it's this thing, but you're also just like, Dang, homie, can, can I? I know. So that this that like uncertainty of the law, really, and applying yeah. the law is where it's hard because you have like some moms who really need it are like, you can provide my expenses, cool, whatever you can give me, I'll take. Right, it becomes that odd financially tied to you. And the parents feel like, well, how can I say no? She's growing my child. Like, how, how do right. I know? Right. And then yeah, it was- have families that like, after the fact, I had a family who um, they had a great relationship. Everything was super good. They got her dinner at the hospital every day. I mean, they got her like a, a prenatal massage before she delivered. I mean, they were really doing as much as they could financially. And the minute they left the hospital, they started getting texts being like, we need more money. We need more money. We need more money. So you, when there's money involved, that's like directly going like that, you start to have that. But those boundaries are like every situation you have to work through these boundaries. And that is part of the relationship. That's really hard for me because there's no set rules about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, like they paid for, um, they wanted me to, obviously as gym owners and me knowing my history, they wanted to help me get my baby body, my pre-baby body back. Well, it took a lot longer than six months, but oh, no, they paid fun. for my gym membership <laughs> for, and personal training for six months, which was like, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. But like, I didn't like, I'm not like, well, why aren't you still paying for it? But you it's know, like, like the seed of that is in there though. And right, then you feel kind right. of icky for thinking that, but then you're like, should I feel icky for thinking that? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And it, yeah, it's just this kind of weird, like, and that's the kind of like off the cuff stuff that is hard to put in the podcast Yeah, because you're trying to protect the people involved. Yep. Um, but until there's like any kind of community, 
it's just like nobody even even just to bitch about it even just to like joke yeah. about it like kind of like to voice that to give those feelings that you're like i know these are in there and i don't really know what to do with them and when you give them voice and then you can laugh about it it's like oh i'm not a freak for thinking that everybody's thinking that and then you can kind of move past it but until you do yeah. it's often just like in there trying to find a way out and then it affects other things you know when you said yeah that when you were pregnant, that you didn't feel like you loved the baby when she was in you. That's how I felt with my son. He was my first pregnancy and I'm parenting him, but my entire pregnancy, I love pregnancy. I was a doula for a long time. I'm super like hippie or yeah. I wanted a home yeah. birth. I love all that. But still when I was pregnant, I remember telling my friend something to the effect of, well, you know, I just, if something happens to him, I don't want to be too, like, I, I just feel like there's still a chance something could happen. And she was like, God, that's horrible. Why would you think that? And I was like, I don't know. That's just kind of, I, I guess I'm looking at it more um, scientifically maybe. And I didn't feel that like overwhelming, oh my gosh, he moved and I'm crying. It took me a few months after he was born and I was parenting to feel like I really, not that I didn't love him. I just, right. that socially- that ooey gooey. Yeah, it wasn't there. And I don't think I'm like super ooey gooey in general. And maybe that's why I didn't have that reaction. But mm -hmm. I felt like every time I voiced that, that I didn't have that, people were like, what's wrong with what's you? What's wrong with you? Instead of just saying- and then there's a difference between what's wrong with you and is there something wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, like that to me, what you just said is postpartum depression. Yeah, yeah. I wondered. I wondered. Like you didn't want to kill yourself. You didn't want no. to kill the baby, but there was an absolute disconnect between your emotional strings still. Yeah. 100%. And, and people are like, what's wrong with you? Instead of saying, is there something wrong? And helping you to find the treatment that you needed. Yeah. It wasn't, there's yeah. nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with you. There was just something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I work very closely. Uh, well, I don't work very closely. I hold very closely um, the Stephen or the uh, Alexis Joy Foundation here in Pittsburgh that works very closely with postpartum depression in women. Um, they, um, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful people. She, the baby was six weeks old and she killed herself. And Stephen, the husband, just was like, well, this is what we're doing. And he and his family took the bull by the horns and have just started saving women's lives. And I share that I work with them. And I'll have sorority sisters message me like, I was part of their outpatient program. Like, they literally saved my life. Oh and I'm just like, <gasps> yeah. So um, it's something that affects so many more mothers than they even realize. And with just a little bit of care and treatment can change their whole, the whole rest of their life. So, um, and so, um, it's, I, of course was knowing that, you know, postpartum is very real. I was trying to be very much make sure that I wasn't experiencing that or any other kind of really crazy highs, lows, et cetera. Yeah. Um, which I think probably I pumped for like four months for them, awesome. which is another thing, Yay. which is another thing. It's like, if I charged somebody else, it'd have been like $3 an ounce, but I gave it to them for a dollar an ounce. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> but like, I didn't want to take advantage. Yeah. You know? Like, so I felt like I was taking advantage of them, even though I was providing for them the milk that my body made for the baby that they now have. Okay. So that, that has me thinking because 
the one of the moms I worked with last year did that, but she didn't sell it to them. And I'm wondering, a mom I'm working with now wants to do the same thing. So I need to talk to a lawyer to see if she can sell it to them through like with an agency involved, if I could facilitate them doing that so that she could get some money and still right. do something she was going to do anyway. I'm yeah, no, that's, uh, you know what, you know how I did it? I froze my milk and I met him in a parking lot. Yeah. Like, I mean, mind you, I didn't have a social worker or any of that kind of stuff, but like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. She shouldn't be giving that stuff away. And to donate it is this horribly, ridiculously crazy process. Yeah. So that's the problem that likely will run, you'll might run into is that facilitation. Like if you're facilitating that exchange, the milk may have to be tested, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So, so I did it with a mom last oh, year, did, we did oh, it. Good. but we, good. I looked into a lot of that, like how, um, Basically, what it came down to is that it was an outside of a bank. The family had to acknowledge that they were, um, you know, I, I guess I can't confirm that they actually gave it to the baby, right? Like they accepted right. it. It was up to right, right, right. how and yeah. Oh, okay. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But That's to be able to pay yeah. for that would have been. Yeah. 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 It, well, it made it like knowing that I was doing the right thing for the baby. It made it like a little bit more my time. Yeah. Um, I would tell them to make sure they get money for things like the expenses. Like those little plastic bags are expensive. Yeah. So <laughs> they I add up the family. So actually one of the things I do is, uh, there's an Erie gives day every year. And, um, I, the last three years, I think I've had absolute love on there since we're a nonprofit and last year's money that I raised from that nonprofit day went to ship the mom's milk. So I didn't charge the family for it. Um, so we were able to do oh. that. Um, the post office gave me the box for free. I bought her the bags and the pump and the hands-free bra awesome. and all of that. But yeah. I, well, that. and so I also have to realize that not every family is loaded. Like that I, the people who adopted my baby yeah. happened to have some money, but yeah. not everybody's in that situation. So, yeah. so yeah, that's like kind of how I landed, but like things like that, you don't thanks to that. Like, yeah, that's weird. Here I am two in the morning going, man, I wish I was making more than eight bucks right now. You know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but that's really cool though. Cause I think like knowing that you didn't go through an agency and knowing that there wasn't a lot of the formality, I wonder if that kind of allowed you to explore that option a little more. Oh, I'm sure. Prior to that mom coming to me and saying, can I do this? Like when I worked for the big agency, I never, ever, and they were doing like 200 placements a year. I never heard of a mom pumping and shipping ever, which is insane. And to know like that option existed, but we weren't encouraging that. That's and I breastfed both of my babies. So for me, that's really important. And I've heard that before that if I can't parent my child, if I'm not parenting my child, if I can't give her um, whatever I want her to have, I can give her milk. And that's pretty cool. That's right. pretty empowering. So why weren't we encouraging that to the 200 plus moms a year that we're placing through those big agencies? Because there's no money in it for the agency. Exactly. Exactly. And that is where I feel that like, that's icky. That's super icky. Agreed. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I could talk for another like six okay. hours, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's, there's like, it's like this whole big, this whole big thing. And um, yeah, it's, I think now, um, like I said, in the dating world now, I mean, I'm 35 now. Um, most women my age, if they, if a child is something they want and they don't have it yet, would be somewhat panicked, probably, I imagine. 
uh, feeling like, oh my God, I have to find a mate. I have to find the mate. I have to find the mate. Um, and, and then there's those moms that, or those women that are 35 and have their life together and want a child and say, screw you. I don't need a man. I'm going to go make my own. <laughs> Good for you. I think you're insane. <laughs> literally. I literally, I surprisingly enough, this literally just happened to me. A friend was like, uh, I'm 35 weeks pregnant. I'm like, what? <laughs> huh? Excuse me. Who? <laughs> I'm like, who? Ha! How did that happen? She's like, well, da 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 da. And I was just nothing but shocked and in awe and in love with her because, you know, she if I'm saying, to. if I'm saying screw society and having a baby and giving it for adoption, why isn't the other side just as equally wonderful? But I think, you know, like you just said, you, she came to you and you were like, wait, what? Help me understand. Yeah. Give me the information. Yeah. And then you were yeah. like, cool not for me but right. cool for you right and and the idea doesn't exist with most no, females too no and now she's right. had the and now she's had the baby and she's announced on facebook and i didn't even read the comments but there were like i don't know 250 of them and and i know that they were mostly love but i know also mixed in there were probably some people that slyly worked in their negative opinion of it and I don't really yeah. care about them. I told her, I said, I got your back. I got your back. You know, like this is yeah. life happens and it should be a joyous thing no matter what, including adoption, including mm -hmm. being a birth mom, including being an adoptive family, including adopting a teen, uh, including, you know, like adopting a dog for your new kid. That's great. I yeah, love dogs. It's, it's definitely this conversation for me sparks that desire just to encourage community and supporting, even if you don't agree, even if it's not the lifestyle that you would want. If somebody's doing their thing and they're happy, advocate for that. Let them do what they feel is right. Because really, like when you get so entwined in somebody else's life, you're not there. It really doesn't affect right. It's you. not your life. Why do you care so much? <laughs> I just took, I just was in Costa Rica for a month. I escaped the cold weather because I'm a landscaper. And if I'm going to be poor, I'd rather be poor in the tropics, right? I love it. So I go down there and I have a friend that hooks me up with some surf lessons. Here's me, 35-year-old, overweight, middle-aged female, taking surf lessons on the beach in Costa Rica. Why? Because <laughs> I want to. And Love it, it brings me joy. Am I going to be better? Am I going to ride these big waves one day? No, no, no. But, but it brings me joy. And so it should be celebrated. Anything that brings anyone joy should be celebrated. Yeah. But also realize that you get thrashed in the waves along the way. Yeah. You know, like... Even yeah. the things that bring you joy can be difficult at times. Everything. So I love that. It's all about That's, balance. That is that is your quote for your <laughs> even the things even the things that bring you joy are a big pain in the ass. No. That's it. <laughs> I'll take it. Well, I am uh, a, I am a fellow traveler. I spent um, yeah. a couple years traveling before I did the whole family thing. And for me, having kids, that's like the hardest thing is not being able to just get on a plane and go. And yeah, well, yeah, it's just like cost four times as much now. I see it like you see people ex really exploring and traveling. I said that there's a big difference between being a traveler and being a tourist. Definitely. And um, and travelers 
don't travel with their kids yet. And then they hit six, seven, eight, nine. And then it's like, all right, let's go. And they're exploring again as a family. So it's yeah. wonderful to see. So good for you. Wanderlust is real. So I'm envious of your love. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am grateful for yours and all that you're doing. Um, I think it's, I think it's really important. It would have been nice to have someone to kind of help me navigate through this a little bit. Um, Yeah. I mean, definitely. And help create and cultivate that, that community, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in these, this virtual time in this virtual world that we're in now. um, It's easy to, I, I got to be really honest. I've listened to one podcast my entire life. I'm not like a podcast person, but I understand that there's this whole podcast universe out there and people really listen to these things and I like share and like do it. So yeah. if me doing a podcast is the new way for me to be a voice, podcast me up. You know, I love that for podcasts you get like I can just type your story, right? Like I can do a blog and someone can sit and skim through it. And like, right. That's right. like, Cool. Nice story. But when you hear your voice and you hear the way you share things, it's like we've reverted back to needing more connection. We want voice, yeah. we want space. We don't want just the words. You know, right. that's like over texting and emailing and just the, you know, we want yeah. connection. And this hearing you tell your story, it's a connection that you don't have in the other ways we do it. So yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's why people like the podcast platform. I have to check it out. I gotta, I gotta find a good podcast. Maybe I'll start with this one. This one. <laughs> hey. <laughs> that is it for episode seven. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what we're doing here, let us know. Like us, comment, follow us. Let us know what you think. If you need more information about Absolute Love Adoptions, you can find us online, www.absoluteloveadoptions.com and on both Facebook and Instagram. See you next time.